This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore, covering much of central and now northern Illinois and always working to cover more of our state. We're going to have a great show for you today. Remember always that we're brought to you by you. Without you, we couldn't do this show. And without you, we couldn't have EWTN and we couldn't have our great radio stations and we couldn't be broadcasting to as much of the state of Illinois as we do. So you're very, very important to us. Any donation that you can make, we would greatly appreciate. And uh, you can make a donation by going online to our website, and that's catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com. It will tell you a lot about us as well. You can also call the station, and if you'd like to call, the number is 309 807-2427. Again, that's 309-807-2427, and you can make a call that way, but probably the best way would be to go online if you can, and uh, whatever you can give would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, I'm here uh, with my wife, Lynn, today, and we're going to talk about a few miscellaneous things uh, a little bit here in the beginning maybe read from a couple of articles uh, that are appropriate today. But uh, it seems to me that a lot of times, at least uh, uh, locally, some of, we don't get the sermon sometimes on some of the issues I think that maybe we should. You don't hear it talked about, and there are a lot of things going on that are sort of not only anti-Christian but anti-Catholic in our world today. And I think more of those things should be talked about. And so I'll just touch on a few of the topics that maybe we should hear a little bit more about and uh, speculate on, you know, why that might not be the case and sort of uh, get our own gripes out there. And I'll invite my wife to join me and make any comments she wants on that. And then there are a couple of articles that I want to read from to sort of illustrate uh, what I'm talking about and show that uh, a society can take a wrong turn and be going in the wrong direction, and it needs people to stand up and point that out and uh, demand that there be some kind of a debate or issues be brought up and facts and reality be faced. So that's what we're going to do a little bit today on our show, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Is there anything before we start, Lynn, that you would like to add or say? Um, Beautiful beautiful blossoms but boy the pollen is flying <laughs> and sure no you can see it you can see it in the air we took a ride out a little bit in the country this week and uh farmers are planting it looks like and the dust was blowing and i thought even in the car with the air conditioning <laughs> almost turned on you could tell you know, I've got I've got a lot of allergies apparently, and I knew it was spring. Yeah, it's incredible. Sort of as wet as we've had it this year, it seems that uh, when we're out in the country uh, during the week, the few days without rain and the top of the soil was already dried off, and of course that's where all the dust was coming from. 
As, right. as soon as they got the soil turned over a little bit, uh, they were just making, you know, the, uh, the seed beds and in some cases planting. And uh, you wouldn't have believed that there would be as much dust, you know, after all this wet weather, but it was. Yeah, it was really blowing. But at any rate, we're finally sort of getting into spring. And, of course, uh, I guess we're going to have some spring storms with it, as we usually do. So we'll have to deal with that as well. There's always something, isn't there? Oh, well, you can't get through life without something going on all the time. But uh, at any rate, uh, it just seems to me that uh, I want to ask some questions like, why don't we hear in church? And maybe there are places that uh, we do, but it seems that uh, there is not as much as there used to be. We don't seem to hear uh, about, you know, talk about as much orthodoxy or dogma maybe as there used to be. Uh, we have the situations with abortion, and I don't think uh, just reading, I read the, uh, uh, you know, of course, the Catholic Post here in our diocese, uh, in the Peoria Diocese, and uh, it doesn't seem like there's too many uh, times that it deals with, uh, at least from a local point of view, the issue, say, for example, of abortion, or uh, we don't seem to deal with uh, uh, the the issue so much of sin as we used to in the church. And uh, we don't uh, deal with the issue of uh, saving our souls as much, it doesn't seem like, or going to hell or hell. You know, it seems as if uh, our society, the zeitgeist, is moved away from that, and the church sort of like is influenced a lot by the zeitgeist. And my questioning is, is should it be? What, what do you think, Lynn? Well, I I think you you really hit it on the head. You know, our culture has changed so much, and it seems like not just the Catholic Church, but all churches are trying to appease the the change and to keep in tune with the change, not be unchanging like the in dogma and, and tradition and stuff that used to be. They're willing to give up and give in too easily. That's my take on it. I know that, uh, you know, Catholics are asked to evangelize more. You know, Catholics are, are uh, sort of short on evangelization. But it seems for evangelization to happen, uh, that's another sort of pet peeve or gripe of mine, I guess, and, and I'll air it. And I realize how hard priests work and how hard our prelates work. And I'm, I'm not here to be, you know, critical of everybody. There's a lot of work to do in the church, and there aren't enough people to do it. And uh, we certainly understand that. But uh, if we're going to evangelize, it seems to me there needs to be some goals, and there needs to be some leadership on this. I think a lot of Catholics are not sure exactly what evangelization means. We talk about the new evangelization uh, I would be happy to talk just about evangelization. Uh, I don't know that there's such a thing as new evangelization or different evangelization. Evangelization is evangelization. But it seems to me, before Catholics can evangelize, they have to just understand some of the, uh, you know, not only the specifics of their faith, but the very idea that Catholicism is the dogma and doctrine 
that was handed from Christ to the apostles and from the apostles to their successors with the promise that that would be handed on from successor group to successor group throughout history without any change. In other words, the Catholic Church doesn't have the authority to change the dogma and doctrine as handed down by Christ. Uh, It can make it more explicit. It can come to understand it better. It can come to define it better. But it really has no authority to change. In other words, it doesn't have the authority to somehow or another change Catholicism to fit the zeitgeist of the day. And the word zeitgeist means the world spirit. Exactly what it means. It doesn't have the authority to. And I think Catholics need to know that. The other thing we don't get, it's almost as if somehow or another we're trying to say that uh, all aspects of Christianity, all denominations and so forth are somehow all correct and they're all headed and going to the same place and we're all equally, you know, in something together. And that is not the case and never has been with the Catholic Church. And we need to hear that more. We need our people to understand that Catholicism is and the Catholic Church is the church that Jesus Christ founded and that the doctrines and dogmas of the church are what Christ handed on. And the understandings and definitions of those dogmas are done with the authority that Christ gave to his church to do. And I don't think we're getting enough of that. And so I hope, uh, you know, this is not taken as some kind of a criticism in the sense that, you know, it's easy to stand here and take pot shots at people who work hard inside the churches. I'm not trying to do that. But uh, those are some of my pet peeves. Anything you want to add to that? Well, if you look at how the things have evolved and the parishes are getting bigger because we have less priests therefore they have to be brought together well then you've got a priest there that's supposed to be the administrator of everything and control of everything and he's also supposed to be the religious leader I think these two things conflict each other I think it's very hard for a priest to keep his sanity to be telling to say that what you know it it would be difficult. I mean, there you are trying to share the teachings of Christ and evangelize, and at the same time, you're the administrator of things that get bigger and bigger and bigger. That's true. And there's not enough people to do it. I wonder if we were better off with the smaller, you know, churches where the priest was there to preach to his congregation and he didn't have a corporate type setting to deal with. We were trying to push too much off. That could very well be. I I One of my uh, sort of like I seem to see is that a lot of times, even when we have, say, the Catholic Post or the National Catholic Register or other uh, uh, publications of the Catholic Church do talk about uh, certain issues, very, very important issues, it has to be understood that a lot of the people in the church don't read those things. And so a lot of this should take place in the church itself. You know, when people come to Mass, some of these issues should be dealt with. 
and uh, talked about. And I don't think we, maybe we get enough of that. Let me give you an example for, you know, going on here about uh, some of the things going on in the church. And we need some, some discussion and pushback on it. I want to read here, it says uh, from the, the uh, National Catholic Register, and this is the April 24th to May 7th edition. It says, uh, U.S. priest issues plea to German cardinals. And I just want to read the beginnings of it here a little bit, just to, to, to give an illustration of what I mean. It says here, two of the most influential Catholic prelates in Europe have advocated publicly in recent months for the church to change its teaching on homosexuality. I mean, advocating, you know, changing a actual dogma and doctrine of the church. Uh, this, this sort of like lets people think, uh, and it, it becomes pervasive throughout the church, that somehow or another the church can change things to accommodate uh, the, the sort of zeitgeist, you know, the world spirit of the times. And if that was the case, then Catholicism would be constantly changing. After a while, it and any other Christian religion would simply be an echo of what what is going on uh, in our secular society, which changes from year to year and often from day to day. It says, in February, Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, the Archbishop of Luxembourg, who serves as president of the Commission of the Bishops' Conferences of the European Union and Relator General of the Synod on Synodality in Rome, said in an interview that the church's teaching that homosexual sex is sinful was wrong, arguing that the sociological scientific foundation of this teaching is no longer correct. And in effect, it's saying that the church has been teaching heresy, uh, or at least it's been teaching uh, wrong dogma for right. all this time. It's been an error. And it's been an error for all this time. And the fact is, is that the church's dogma has been handed down to it. And uh, it, I'll go on here to show that uh, it's pretty well set in stone, as this priest uh, who is complaining says. And... Uh, at any rate, when it says sociological scientific, uh, that sort of sets off an alarm for me also. Uh, the fact is, is that it, as we'll, we'll, I'll show in a little bit when we, we talk about abortion and, and, and some other things, the scientific community seems like it uh, uh, almost falls over backwards to bend to the politics of the day, especially in societies like our modern society in the United States and in other countries where science receives so much money politically. And uh, it pretty well reflects the politics of the day. We've had a lot of science being bent to the politics of the day on COVID. And a lot of that is starting to come out now and more will be coming out. And uh, a lot of it on abortion as well, as I'll get into in a minute or two here. Uh, as we go along. But uh, at any rate, it says here also, uh, more recently in an interview published on March 31st, German Cardinal Reinhard Marx, speaking on the same issues, said that the catechism of the Catholic Church is not set in stone and is also uh, allowed, and one is also allowed to doubt what it says. 
I mean, this is hardly <laughs> material that would make Catholics eager to evangelize if they're unsure of what the faith actually teaches. And, I mean, these teachings have been handed down for 2,000 years. And all of a sudden, for cardinals in a church to come along and say, oh, well, the science of the day has suddenly decided that they're wrong. I mean, the church is not decided by the science of the day. And anyone that knows anything about science knows that science uh, never rests. It changes. It's often wrong, and it moves on, or it it defines things in a better way, and so on. And uh, science can be bent politically very, very easily, as we've seen with the COVID. And I will show also with uh, abortion. Is there anything you'd like to add, you know, to that as we go along, Lynn? Well, there's also the, uh, the question of because they're doubting that the church was right. And this, this is these are the cardinals and so forth, the leaders of the church. And if they don't believe that. The church has been, well, we still today have cardinals and bishops that are saying that everybody will be saved. Christ did not teach that, that there is no hell or, and things like that. Uh, some very prominent teachers in the church are saying this. This is wrong. Exactly. It, it, you know, somebody's lacking in their... Catechism. Anyhow, they don't understand. Exactly. And the point is, again, is I think that a lot of these things should be discussed in the church itself. You know, the people yeah, should not be able in public. The people should be able to hear sermons on some of these things and from the priests. Uh, certainly they are controversial. But the church can't avoid controversy. This idea that somehow, you know, that uh, we don't we want to avoid controversial subjects or keep uh, the peace in the, the parish and not offend anybody. Uh, the, the, if there ever was a time for, you know, that, that time is over. Uh, that period of uh, it's sort of Kumbaya settled, settled complacency is done. We're living in a world now in which there is a tremendous amount of not— we don't just live in a post-Christian society— we are now living in pretty much in an anti-Christian society, and I think that these issues really need to be discussed. And uh, so we're coming to up to our break here, and we'll talk more about it when we come back. Uh, so we're going to take a break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. The Shroud of Turin is believed to be the burial cloth of Jesus. Holy Trinity Church is bringing the Man of the Shroud exhibit to Bloomington. This includes over 60 illustrations of historic and forensic studies, graphics, and the awe-inspiring full-size replica of the Shroud. All ages are invited to view this stirring exhibit, May 6th through May 8th. For more details, check the website or contact Holy Trinity Church in Bloomington. Hi, this is Bob Johnson. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break. We've been talking a little bit about some issues, it seems to me, that are rather controversial that should be discussed uh, in the churches themselves uh, by our local parish priests. And the people should be, I think, exposed to some of these things. We're living in a time in which there is a 
huge turmoil and our society is taking a very, very, uh, not only materialistic and secular direction, but a direction that is in many ways opposed to uh, Christianity in general and especially Catholic Christianity. And uh, a lot of these things I think should be aired. We're talking here about uh, some of the German prelates uh, in the synods in Germany who are, for example, this is just one example I'm talking about here, uh, saying that the catechism of the Catholic Church is wrong uh, about homosexuality and that science somehow or another has proved that uh, there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. And uh, I've said in the first part of this uh, uh, program that uh, the idea that science says something doesn't make it too much set in stone because uh, science, especially in recent times, but it, all through its history, has always been twisted and bent to politics and uh, isn't something that uh, people can rely on uh, for direction. Science doesn't really tell us what we ought to do or why we ought to do things. It tries to just simply describe the universe as uh, scientists see it. Uh, at any rate, there's a priest that responds to the charges of these bishops about changing the catechism of the Catholic Church or that it's not set in stone or that uh, it, the Catholic uh, view of homosexuality is wrong. He says, uh, on here, he says, Yet uh, the paragraph of the catechism to which you refer presents, and he's talking about these bishops uh, who are saying that the catechism is wrong. He says, presents this teaching that is on homosexuality in a remarkably firm way. He said, that is, it notes that the teaching is clearly based on sacred scripture and consistently taught by the tradition of the church. This invocation of scripture and tradition is unusual in the catechism, but appears often when the church explains the charism of infallibility. Its use here clearly means that this teaching, which flows from the anthropological fact of the nature of sacred uh, human bodies, is an infallible teaching of the ordinary universal magisterium. And it means then that, that it can't be changed. And yet these bishops are saying that it can be changed and that somehow the teaching is wrong. They're going against the teaching of the church. And this priest reminds them that they have taken an oath to hold fast to the church's doctrine, faithfully hand it on and explain it and avoid any teachings contrary to it. It says, we invoke the Holy Trinity and the Holy Gospels to witness to our honesty and our sincerity. So he's saying that, in other words, priests take an oath to follow the Catholic tradition, to follow the tradition of the church as Jesus Christ handed it on to us, and not to follow the zeitgeist, that is the world spirit of the day, or to follow their own particular inclinations or their own whims uh, or their own, uh, what this priest would certainly say, misguided thinking. Uh, so that's just an example of what I'm talking about. Why don't we hear more of this uh, in the churches themselves? Yes, they're controversial issues, but let me go read from an article here, I think in the next uh, two segments here of our program, 
to show how important it is that the church continue to follow its traditional, dogmatic, and infallible teachings, especially uh, in not yielding to this idea that science somehow can do this job for us, because it certainly can't, and uh, show how reality and the ability to understand reality can be seriously uh, injured and is not, it does not naturally occur to every society. The ability to see things as they really are is a peculiarly Christian one. And it requires the dogmas and uh, doctrines and of the Catholic Church as it was handed on. And when we deviate that, that is when the church is not the leader in uh, where we should go. Uh, to the uh, powers of the state on how we should get there. When the church uh, doesn't lead, society can take some very, very serious turns for the wrong and become very confused and uh, lose its actual ability to see reality. So I'll read from an article here, and uh, we'll talk about that as we go along. Is there anything you want to add before I start, Lynn? No, no. Where is this article from? Okay. This article occurs in uh, The Remnant, and it's in the April 30th, AD, April 30th uh, 2022 issue. It's entitled The Great Posthumanist Reset. And in that article, it will show what happens when people start fooling around with the reality and the dogma as handed down by the Catholic Church. Uh, it says... During the nomination hearings for the Biden administration's Supreme Court Justice nominee, uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson, Senate Judiciary Committee member Marsha Blackburn, a Republican from Tennessee, asked Judge Jackson what should have been an easy question. She said, can you provide a definition of the word woman? Judge Jackson answered, no, I can't. Blackburn and the conservative punditry were stunned. They shouldn't have been, though. The inability of the American elite to define woman is in no way surprising. Confusion about sex is the latest in the elite's intentions destruction of human society by sowing radical discord about human beings. For a group that has long defined person as clump of cells or product of conception, The refusal to say what makes a female person a woman is a completely consistent reiteration of the hatred for humanity, which, and here's a definition you can work with, defines the American elite. Now, we're talking about something that just happened here recently, but this problem goes back 60 years. This problem started in 1963 when a group of those elites that Joseph, Jason Morgan is talking about, Jason Morgan is the uh, author of this article that I'm reading from, uh, and who were these elites? These elites were the Supreme Court uh, justices during 1963 when they decided they really didn't have to define when a human being, in other words, when, comes, life began? when, human, when a human being comes into existence. They decided that they didn't have to define that, that there was no particular moment when we could really understand that human being came into existence. 
prior to 1963, right up through 1962, for example, you can look in any uh, biology book, textbook, or science textbook, or ask any any uh, biologist or science when a human being came into existence, and they would, of course, answer at the time of conception. That's when all creatures of any particular kind come into existence is at conception. Whether it's a squirrel or a cat or a dog or something else, it comes into existence at conception. But these Supreme Court justices decided that they could divorce the idea of human or humanity from this and simply call it a clump of cells and that uh, it doesn't have any particular time when it comes into being a human being. And so by denying this uh, idea of that, that there is a de- definite uh, time when a human being comes into existence, they cause the confusion that has led to what's going on today when a Supreme Court justice can stand there with a straight face and say that they could not uh, provide a definition of a woman. And has science come in and corrected this? And of course, no, because from, ni- from 1963 on, every biology textbook was changed so that it was no longer certain in biology that uh, something came into existence at the time of conception. That's how science bends and changes to the political <laughs> ideology of the day, that is, to the zeitgeist of the time. And when the Catholic Church is advocating that it should change the zeitgeist of the time and change to the science of the time, the Catholic Church is actually abandoning its duty. The Church should actually be leading in the direction that science ought to go. Not what science discovers and not the facts, but in the direction of morality and ethics and so forth that the, the, the science ought to go. In other words, I've talked about this before. At one time, there was a distinction between church and state, not a separation of church and state. A separation of church and state means that the state simply becomes the church. And the distinction meant that the church used its authority to guide the direction that society ought to go morally. And the state had the power and the means to move society in that direction. And the two working together created Western civilization and created a civilization that actually could see things as they are. And when we deviate from that, what I'm trying to show here is that because of this deviation, people who are educated, who are actually in charge of our law and on our courts, can no longer not only determine when a human being comes into existence, they can't even determine what the sex of a human being is. And you can see as this goes on, you can end up with a society that is pagan in nature that no longer can see uh, what is real. And science will, of course, go out of existence with it. It was science that came into existence with Christianity, and it was Christianity that came into existence through the Catholic Church. And when we end those things, we have the end of any kind of a civilization that can deal with reality as it really is. That is the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So let me go on here with the article, and uh, you'll understand a little bit more. Uh, It says... 
Judge Jackson's stupefaction in the face of elementary anatomy, despite her claims to lack the biological specialization necessary to comprehend it, is not evidence of stupidity or psychosis. It is an entirely unremarkable and by now routine symptom of the diabolical disordering of our country. At this point, if you can define the word woman, you are a fundamentalist, a hateful bigot. Uh, the cognitive grasp of physical reality is the rare exception and not the rule. Again, I'll say that the cognitive grasp of physical reality is the rare exception and not the rule. In other words, a society isn't necessarily simply uh, to take for granted that it can understand and explain reality. Take a look at societies in the past, pagan societies and other societies that believed in all kinds of magical things. There was no science to explain how the universe actually worked. It all worked by magic and voodoo and uh, by witch doctor and by <laughs> all kinds of uh, sort of uh, magical <laughs> means. And the people in it were unable to see things as the scientific endeavor made us able to see them, which was a product of the direction of the Catholic Church and a product of Christianity, not something opposed to it. So here we are with a society in an advanced stage of science with the people who are more knowledgeable, supposedly, than people ever were. And that society is reaching the point where it can no longer not only not identify when a human being comes into existence, it can't even identify what a human being is. It can't identify a woman. And so uh, we're actually moving away from science, not moving toward it. Uh, it goes on here and says, What is striking about the Blackburn-Jackson exchange is not its content. Rather, what stands out is that the exchange took place in a political setting in a Senate hearing for deciding whether to approve someone for a seat on the Supreme Court. I was surprised to find that, despite Judge Jackson's post-human stance, her confessed inability to say what people are, we are still going through the charade of politics and rule of law. For what Judge Jackson glibly admits to is total anarchy, the upending of the law and the demolition of the political order. And this is pretty apparent. I mean, if a Supreme Court justice can't even decide and understand what a woman is, uh, they are on the verge, if not already past it, of not understanding even what a human being is. Well, in fact, uh, the Supreme Court in 1963 Three, set the precedent that we don't know what a human being is. That we can't tell for sure when a human being becomes human. So if a human being doesn't become human uh, at the time of conception, when does it become human? Any time at all? It, it leaves it as a question. And uh, we are in a pretty unstable situation when we are talking about Supreme Court justices deciding points of law uh, that affect millions of people and uh, are, are very, very subtle. And we know that they can't even understand what a, what a woman is. 
you know, from a man. It says, Judge Jackson's post-humanism, the ideology she shares with her fellow Ivy League elite and the Beltway radicals, and uh, is not just a theory which can be digested by law and turned into legislative prerogative, the way other ideologies such as Marxism and progressivism have been before. Uh, Post-humanism is the end of legislation, the death of the political process. Post-humanism obviates the necessity for the political process from the very, very beginning, right from the start. Post-humanism makes the political impossible, full stop. Post-humanism is post-political, is the ruination of the interaction of human beings. And we got to this point by Supreme Court justices failing to do their duty 60 years ago. (coughs) And you can see where it's leading, and it's leading there faster and getting worse. And these things need to be talked about and they needed to be talked about in our churches, in our parishes, where the people are there and can hear them explained in such a way that they can understand what's at stake in these things. And so I think this is this, the Catholic Church has passed down its information through preaching, through the word of mouth, uh, and this is what needs to be continued as, as we go on. We're going to stop here and take a break, so stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're talking about uh, why certain issues that are controversial, especially in our modern times, aren't being discussed uh, in the pulpit and aren't being discussed in our parishes and and maybe that they should be discussed. And uh, we're talking about the fact that how the denial, that is, of the ability to see things as they are, in other words, with our Supreme Court, for example, in 1963, by its breakdown uh, of unwillingness to face uh, the issue of abortion and define when a human being comes into existence, has set a precedent which has led, in our times now, 60 years later, to the idea that there's no such thing as male or female that gender is fluid and that there are hundreds and lots of genders and uh, that uh, a Supreme Court justice can't tell a man from a woman and that our whole law is to be based on people who actually profess these things and we're moving in a direction where science follows along uh, of the leadership of the state and the church is doing nothing, it seems to me, to stand in the way of this and explain that the Catholic Church and only the Catholic Church is the church that Christ founded and that the Catholic Church and its dogmas and doctrines uh, are what is necessary 
to be the, the leadership and the goal of our political society, our power, in our law, in our, our means. And uh, when it abandons that, our society can fall back into a situation of uh, primitive societies in which there will be no more science and there will be the inability to actually understand the world as it really is. That is the truth as it really is. And that is happening right in front of our eyes. It says politics is a human art. Only humans do it. The definition, uh, by definition, it requires humans to accomplish. There are no stump speeches by groundhogs or manatees. Only humans shakes hands and tell lies to get votes. Only humans use logic and emotion to sway crowds and build factions. Only humans make written and contestable laws. If you do not have people in a society, people with bodies and minds and souls, who accept that there is no alternative to shared life within a framework of the material universe, then you do not have a society at all. You have hell. You have post-humanism, the demonic death wish for the human race. Post-humanism is the key to understanding the zeitgeist in our country today. That is the world spirit. It is post-humanism which goes farthest toward explaining the breakdown of law and order in the United States in recent years. This is not always clear, however. Many point to race as the context of social breakdown, for instance. This is understandable given that racial justice has been the slogan of many so-called mostly peaceful protests and other forms of bedlam in American streets during the past half decade. As police officers and business owners were shot, stores looted, and cities torched, the academic media government complex told us that it was all for the sake of racial reform. But race has been the smokescreen behind which the human person has been dismantled. Race is the cloak over post-humanism's naked hatred of human beings. District attorneys claim to be pro-minority when they overlook and even celebrate the most heinous of crimes. But in reality, legal practitioners and the American elite in general are not pro-minority. They are anti-human. It is the crime these DAs are after, the suffering that crime causes, which is the reward for the post-humanists in full rancid flower. In other words, what he's saying here is that there are people, especially among our elites, who hate humans, who hate humanity. And it seems as if somehow they lift themselves out of the human race itself by denying that we can even identify what is, what is human. And this gives them a self-righteous uh, means of attacking humanity. You, you found this, for example, way back in the 1960s as well with the, uh, you know, uh, Earth Movement, you know, sort of the pro-Earth Movement. But the pro-Earth Movement, the Green Movement, which has become what is called now the Green Movement, has had a huge streak of anti-humanism. Is it? Somehow, Earth and animals are good, humans are bad. Sort of a dualism and a sort of a Gnosticism. And this Gnosticism grows in modern society. And I think a lot of it grows because the Catholic Church 
doesn't take the position that it is the church that Jesus Christ founded. Western civilization is based on it, and it has to be the leader in the direction that the politics of Western civilization must go. And I think our people and our churches need to be told that, and they are not going to hear it just from me talking on this radio program, but they will hear it if it's told in our parishes when the people attend church itself. And if we're going to evangelize, we have to evangelize starting with that position that the Catholic Church is the church and that it is necessary in its dogmas and doctrines for Western civilization to remain a civilization and for politics to remain politics as we understand it. And if we don't do this, uh, we're, 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 we're failing in fulfilling our role uh, in society, and we're failing the mission that Jesus Christ gave us. So, that's you know, if you believe in God, which uh, apparently is not part of the question anymore, people don't. But God created everything. His Son was, you know, humanity was good enough that he that he made, and His Son became human. So why are humans so unwanted? I think these people are trying to be gods in themselves. And they think they're gods, they can pronounce anything, and that's the way it is. Exactly. He goes on to say, he says, One need look no further than the career of Katanji Brown Jackson to see how anti-humanism looks in practice beneath the, beneath the racialist facade. And it goes on here. Joe Biden and the Democrats pitched her as a black woman, but that is a canard. Jackson is a Trojan, Trojan horse for anti-humanism. In a 1996 Harvard Law Review note, for example, Jackson cast doubt on the legitimacy of sex offender registries. In 2012, Judge Jackson, who at that time was the vice chair of the United States Sentencing Commission, disagreed with an expert witness that collecting and possessing pornographic images of children is done by pedophiles. In 2013, Judge Jackson acted on her confusion about pedophilia and child pornography by imposing an extraordinarily lenient sentence on a man convicted of searching for and viewing images of the sexual abuse of minors. And we're getting this more and more in our law. It's almost as if there are people, it's just exactly as it's been stated here, taking pleasure in the punishment of human beings. And it, it is not just Katanji Brown Jackson, of course. Her fellow elites hate humans too. Any transgression of the human person is welcome among Jackson's peers. The academic academic media government complex tells us that William Thomas, a man in woman's a, a man in a woman's bathing suit, is a woman. The American Civil Liberties Union tells us that men can get pregnant. Mickey Mouse tells us that little boys can be little girls, and vice versa. Joe Biden agrees. The American elite are thoroughly possessed of a diabolical ideology. Uh, what could be more diabolical than that, than the inability to see the truth? Everywhere you turn, there you see it. The elite hates you, 
hates me, hates those who continue to call themselves and their brothers and sisters human beings. There are consequences to this that we are only beginning to understand. When the ideology of a ruling elite is anti-human, then all politics breaks down. This is what we have in the United States today, and it will get much, much worse very soon. That's the other thing I wanted to point out, is we have so many uh, people on the right, conservatives and so forth, say, well, the one good thing about our society, even if it's moving toward totalitarianism, it's moving toward a soft totalitarianism. It's not moving toward the cruel and hard totalitarianism, let's say we found in Nazi Germany or Stalinist Russia. But that, that is delusional. The fact is, is that when a society begins to move toward totalitarianism, and especially a totalitarianism that they can no longer see the truth, not even the, the truth of, of science, when science is bent to a state that is unable to see what the truth is anymore, that society will not only grow, will not stay uh, soft totalitarianism for very long. So these things are important. And it is important to understand how quickly a human society can lose the ability to see reality and devolve back into a pagan superstition that uh, sees everything as some kind of fluctuating reality that uh, really can't be explained at all. And that is what we're moving into. And this idea of people today, there's a lot of people today that think, oh, this, this, this won't go on for long. People will come to their senses. This uh, is coming to a head. This, this is too crazy and so forth to keep on happening. That's not true. Uh, a dysfunctional society can persist for a long, long time, for thousands of years. Take a look at the, the class society in India, for example, with the caste system. That has persisted over long, long periods of time and caused tremendous and untold harm. And the inability of India to actually have a scientifically based society as a Christian society in Europe and the United States was able to do. Uh, so dysfunctions can last for a long, long time. This idea that people can suddenly come to their senses is not something that you can count on. It says... Uh, Confirming judges in committee chambers is a farce which will rapidly come to an end. There is already no need to pretend that we have laws which are meant for human flourishing. There is no such thing as human flourishing because there is no such thing anymore as human beings. This is what the Great Reset means. The devil hates us, hates order and goodness. He craves our corruption and defilement. Uh, the first great reset was Satan's. All that follows is of the same dark undertow. And uh, Morgan goes on here to fault uh, Pope Francis. Uh, I don't want to omit this uh, greatly for not leaving the way in confronting these issues, for confronting transhumanism, for, con for confronting transgender, for confronting the fact of homosexuality being a practice uh, that the Catholic Church cannot uh, accept, that is a sinful practice. These are the things that we need to stick to, and the Catholic Church needs to continue to teach, and that you know, cannot bend to the zeitgeist of the day. 
And uh, so I want to make sure I got that in there. And, and he's saying Pope Francis needs to do a better job of leading along these lines. And I would agree. And uh, again, I'm not using this to, con to try to criticize all of our prelates or criticize a lot of the priests in the Catholic Church. We know how hard some of them work. But this is a huge issue, and it needs to be, as, as far as I'm concerned, uh, brought out in our parishes. We have to understand that we are in a war for Western civilization, and the Catholics have to understand it was their church that built Western civilization. Without it, it will not continue to exist, that it's beginning to be unable to see what reality even is, and how can we have decent laws, how can we have uh, a functional society when we have Supreme Court justices that can't even decide what a woman is or what a man is. And the idea that this uh, pretense will be dropped and people will come to their senses uh, is something that we cannot count on because societies have fallen into dysfunctions that can last for thousands of years. So, at any rate... Well, uh, as Rome fell, that's a good or great example they had the same type of beliefs and teachings. Homosexually, you know, homosexual lifestyle was accepted. It broke down the family. The families broke down. They had no longer had a culture. Exactly. And people don't realize that there was a lot of opposition to homosexuality back in those societies as well that was suppressed. And uh, don't un they didn't understand it that uh, it wasn't something that was taken for granted by everybody. But it certainly was one of the factors that helped, as you say, uh, bring down that society. Uh, and he goes on to say, Jason Morgan goes on to say, there are no committees and oversight <laughs> in hell. There is only hatred, the inversion of God's grace, the destruction of the human person whom the devil has hated from the beginning, and so you can understand where this hatred is ultimately coming from because Satan hates the human race and wants to see it fail. Uh, in a world in which the human is mocked and denied, there can be no reasoned discourse, no open and honest debate. How can you have a open and honest debate when elites on the Supreme Court have to deny that there is such a thing as sex, gender, deny that they can understand what a human, what a woman or a man is. So how can they, and you have a Supreme Court that denied that it could understand when human beings come into existence. And when we have this leading our society instead of the church, this is the direction that we're beginning to go. And this is the direction we'll continue to go until it gets stopped. And the one institution that has brought society out of this uh, darkness and uh, pagan and uh, earlier superstition is the church. And the church needs to assert itself and understand its responsibility. And it needs to start addressing these issues no matter how painful it is to do and no matter how much controversy it causes. Uh, in a world in which the human is mocked and denied, there can be no reassured discourse, no open and honest debate. In a post-human, post-political world, there is only the din of the diabolically disoriented rabble and the barking and shrieking of the ungodly few who rule over them. That's pretty stark. It certainly is. So, 
I know sometimes uh, we, we deal with these issues and maybe people get tired of them, but we're living in a time when they have to be dealt with. So at any rate, uh, that is our show for today. I hope that uh, it uh, made some things clear and uh, helped people see some things better. So we'll stop there, say our prayer. St. Michael, Michael, the archangel, archangel, defend defend us us in battle. Be our protection protection against against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May May God God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander to the world for the ruin of souls. Amen. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com. Or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. The Shroud of Turin is believed to be the burial cloth of Jesus. Holy Trinity Church is bringing the Man of the Shroud exhibit to Bloomington. This includes over 60 illustrations of historic and forensic studies, graphics, and the awe-inspiring full-size replica of the Shroud. All ages are invited to view this stirring exhibit, May 6th through May 8th. For more details, check the website or contact Holy Trinity Church in Bloomington.